Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals. And you and your family deserves better. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio. Uh, I have an awesome guest today, one that I had the distinct privilege to talk to almost two years ago uh, when I had the pleasure of uh, producing Beyond the Call. We're bringing her back to Public Safety Talk Radio, especially during a time where we need somebody who is really, really darn good at crisis management. And Melissa Agnes certainly is. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the founder and CEO of the Crisis Ready Institute and is recognized as a leading authority on crisis preparedness, reputation management, and brand protection. Agnes is the creator of the Crisis Ready model and author of Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World. She is a coveted speaker, commentator, and advisor to some of today's leading organizations faced with the greatest risks. I can go on and on, but I know that she has a history of helping and working with law enforcement and other public safety organizations. So let's bring her on. Melissa, welcome to the show. Ken, thank you. <laughs> I can't, you're frozen now, but thanks for, thanks for the kind introduction, and it's great to be here with you. <laughs> Got it. Those are, those are some of the technical issues we, we have when we have a crisis-ready expert running around the, the country in a B&B. &B. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, uh, lady, <laughs> lady of many words. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I got to go right in and ask, um, you know, last time we, we spoke, things were um, a little rough with law enforcement. I think that we were getting out of some of the anti-police sentiment back uh, even a few months ago before the uh, unfortunate incident in Minneapolis. And now I think for some we're in full anti-police mode. Yeah, so as an expert in crisis and reputation management, you've worked with law enforcement, as I mentioned. How do we even begin to create you know, the proper messaging to begin to bring police and communities together today? And I hesitate with the, the proper messaging because it's about so much more than messaging. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Um, and you know, it's, it's so challenging because a few months ago, um, prior to, to the murder of George Floyd, law enforcement was making, I mean, due to COVID, they were on the front line. Yeah. They were with health and healthcare providers and they were our heroes on the front line and they were getting credit for that. Um, meanwhile, there has been, to your point, when we spoke, I can't believe it's almost two years ago now, but when we spoke two years ago, it's the same underlying issues, right? Um, so to talk about how do you begin to create the messaging, <laughs> we need to get it right once and for all, and it goes beyond just the messaging. It goes to, I mean, there's a whole massive root cause or root problem of systemic racial inequity and injustice. Mm -hmm. 
right? And that's way beyond just law enforcement. Law enforcement is on the front lines, so they are the ones who are visible and who get the brunt of it right now. Um, but it's the problem is beyond law enforcement. Law enforcement is a part of that, but it, it's so much deeper than just law enforcement. Um, and that's a whole other sub, or that's a, a whole complementary subject. But so I'm trying to kind of wrap around how do you begin to have the right messaging? We need to listen. Um, we need to communicate effectively, obviously, but we also need to take the right action. So crisis management, successful crisis management requires taking effective action proactively, but taking the right course of action to fix mistakes, right? To fix um, issues and um, just the areas that need to be fixed. And then simultaneously, it's about communicating effectively. So it requires both of these things. It's actually kind of interesting because I too, in my work with law enforcement, um, actually thought, all right, one of the few good things that can come out of this coronavirus pandemic is it seemed like we had a, what I call the whole hero bubble, where uh, every firefighter, EMT, police officer, nurse, healthcare worker, um, they were all kind of put into this bubble of hero. And it seemed like police officers were leveraging or riding this hero wave of, hey, look at what all of these people are doing for us and with us during our toughest time of the pandemic. And literally, I want to say it was about a week before the George Floyd incident. Um, I had a meeting with a number of people, uh, one of them being the founder of How to Love um, Our Cops. And I'm drinking out of her mug, actually, today. There we go. It's a nice mug, How to Love Our Cops. Uh, Vicki Newman, uh, who's married to uh, a retired California Highway Patrolman. And I said to her, I said, it seems like we're getting past this anti-police sentiment. And she kind of cautioned me and said, you know what? I, I just think it's lurking right behind the wall here. And unfortunately, as much as I'd like to believe you that we're done with it, yeah, I'm waiting for the next incident. And it happened just about a week later, and I texted her on my phone. I'm like, I hate to say this, but you're exactly right. Um, to your point, and then I want to get back to, to branding and so forth. Yeah, I, I believe you're 100% you're correct, because in order to build a quality brand, in my opinion, you need to have a quality culture because all you're doing from a business standpoint, if you build this great image and you drive people to a business and the experience sucks because you have a poor culture, you've just wasted a lot of resources on branding because people aren't going to come back. And I think that's where we have the issue in law enforcement comes in the culture. And I could see it in the George Floyd case in that, you, know, you had these two rookie cops that were not empowered to do the right thing, you know, to stop a guy that obviously in Derek Chauvin, in my mind, you know, shouldn't have been on the street. He was spent, you know, he had no empathy anymore. You know, that the real problem was, you know, how do we get guys like that? Either a, the help that he needs <laughs> because he's obviously not fit to be out there. Uh, or get him off the street completely. Yeah, that's where I think that, you know, where the, the real crux of the problem is. So to your point of doing the right action, you know, which is in my mind, having the right people on the streets, having the right programs for cops, 
And then communicating that, now all of a sudden you have a quality message because there's meat behind it and it's not just words. Am I, am I on the right track here or am I in some kind of brand rabbit hole? <laughs> no, you're not in a brand rabbit hole. I mean, the whole thing is a rabbit hole. We can go down, like I said. But um, doing, it, this is where that, for me, it's so much deeper than just law enforcement. Doing yep. the right thing. Um, yes, once you get to a certain point, um, corrective action and also identification of, to your point, who's spent, right? Who's maybe jaded, who's maybe, and the impacts of those, the risk and the impact of that. Um, but let's go a layer deeper. And I know that we're not going to talk about this on this show and we don't have to, but even just looking at our educational system, I'm saying systemic racism is the problem and it's in the, it's in the fibers of our society. So we're not, as it stands today, we're not teaching and empowering children to grow up to be the proper adult, to not get jaded, to not, right, to, to be inclusive, to be respectful and compassionate of every single human being or every single living anything, right? Um, so it, the, the, um, we're not going to go down that because we need to talk about, well, in my, from my perspective, what the problem is today and how do we fix it? And that's, a, that's part of it, but that's, that's kind of generationally, where can we go in the future? How can we yep. fix the problems today so that tomorrow we have a different world that we need to have? Um, mean, in the meantime, we're in crisis and we need to fix the crisis. We need to manage the crisis itself. To your point, and I said this for many weeks after that unfortunate incident, uh, which was, you know, the good Lord could come down and snap his fingers and get rid of race problems throughout the world. And I think we would still have problems within law enforcement uh, because you're right, you know, race issues are everywhere. You can go to Walgreens and have employees there have a problem with race or be prejudiced or whatever. That's a much deeper problem. I, I completely agree with you. Um, but the, it seems like law enforcement has kind of been put up on a pedestal of, okay, we have to target somebody and it's easy to target police because they've been involved in so many of, the, many of these things. So let's target them. <laughs> so uh, whether that's right or wrong, we could get into it in, in another episode. Uh, it's a necessity. Yeah, but yeah. So from your past work, is is there anything, any guidance that you could provide? You know, navigating some of these issues of high emotions today uh, because you know it seems like you know if you, if you have an opinion and the other person has even a slightly different opinion you know it's no longer let's just agree to disagree it's 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 a problem so how do you deal with these high emotions in a time like this absolutely um, from a let's take it from the leadership position sure. and law enforcement is in the leadership position as a whole um, a few things. One, I want to say is before you can get to the how, how do we fix, how do we communicate, how do we listen, you need to dive to the bottom of the whys. Why are people feeling like this? Why are no, is nobody listening? Why, why, why? So ask why to get to the root cause of the emotion and of the, the, the events that have led to the emotion, that led up to the emotions get to the bottom of all of the whys and then once you understand truly the root cause you can start asking how how do we correct this how do we proactively get ahead of this how do we bridge divides and um, bring 
law enforcement agencies and communities together. So get to the why. In addition to that, I'm going to say that when it comes to highly emotional situations and controversial situations, but highly emotion controversy segregates because it's emotional, right? It, it's kind of deep seated in with our values. Emotion and values kind of merge there and create something very, very divisive, very segregating. Um, so in order to communicate, to respond to highly emotional circumstances, there's some fundamentals, there's crisis-ready uh, formula that I use that is a three-step process and making sure that every single one of your communications and your actions speak to this, showcase this, um, are empowered by this and empower others through this. And that is first to validate emotion. Because even if you just think, let's take law enforcement out of it and let's just look at you, Ken, are in an argument with somebody you care about. Right? That you're never, that never happens. Something. You're I'm... arguing or you're just, you're in a dispute. <laughs> and uh, emotion, of course not, because you're not human. I've only been married twice. You know, I never get into any arguments at all. I'm always at an even keel. But yeah, continue. So, <laughs> so when you're in that circumstance, if both parties or if neither party feels heard or validated, you're never going to get to any point of resolution. Both human beings, right, it's human nature, we need to feel as though we are heard. If we don't feel heard, we are going to keep screaming until we feel heard. Right now, the Black community, the communities of people of color, and the allies, all allies, don't feel heard because the problem keeps repeating itself. So right now, we're at this escalated emotional boiling point where there's a whole lot of screaming and not a lot, not listening. But that's because people feel unvalidated and just all of the injustices that have accumulated, they're not heard. So validate emotion, understand it, the why, and then validate that emotion is the first step through actions and communications repeatedly. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is California. The police credit union serves all law enforcement personnel and their civilian co-workers, including volunteers within California, employed by any municipal, county, state, or federal agency or special district. They also serve firefighters, EMTs, and court employees in nine counties within the state. The police credit union has proudly been serving first responders since 1953. For more information about the Police Credit Union, go to thepolicecu.org or call 800-222-1391. To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals. And you deserve better. And then the second step is to relate to what matters on an emotional level. So let's bring it back to your Ken in an, in an argument with somebody that somebody feels now heard, they feel validated, they feel heard, so they don't feel like they have to keep screaming at you. And so now they've kind of opened up, they've taken a pause. Maybe they haven't opened up yet, but, but they've taken a pause, they're taking a beat. And now you come and you say, listen, the thing that matters to you absolutely matters to me. It's what's important to me too. 
And now all of a sudden they feel heard and they feel related to, they feel important and they feel that you get them. That is the only, when you've reached that point and that in this case with law enforcement and community divide, that's gonna take a lot of work to get even just to that point because we need to prove it and communicate it, right? Action and communication. Once you get to that point, people will start to, generally speaking, to let you into their mind. So one of the crisis ready rules is you can never beat emotion with logic, ever. Emotion clouds logic. It is emotional, it is intrinsic, it just blocks that left side of your brain. So in order to get to the left side of the brain, in order to rationally communicate logic, you have to go in through the heart if the heart is blocking the mind. So validate and relate, get in through the heart, earn the trust, validate, right? Make people feel the way that they need to feel, they deserve to feel, and then come at it with, and here is what we're doing to prove that we actually do hear you and, mean what, and care about what you care about. So taking, it's a very simplified way, and I like to simplify things. I like frameworks. I like to you know, have crisis-ready rules and crisis-ready formulas and crisis-ready processes. Um, that simplify things and that you can have a framework to then say, okay, to compare and contrast with what you're currently doing and then what, how you can adjust to better understand these things and to, to maybe hopefully improve your tactics a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head with emotion uh, because yeah, I think a lot of times people try to approach the problem logically uh, but I've seen it myself. I, I've been in some forums with communities and so forth where 80, 90% will come to the table with, well, let's talk about ideas. And then you'll have that one or two people that are just so emotional that unless it's exactly what they want, which is to fund the police, put police on unemployment, <laughs> let's, let's, let's police our own neighborhood with sticks or whatever it is, yeah, that it, it shuts everything down. And what that does on the other side, I found is, okay, I've come and I've tried to meet with you. I've, I've tried to validate you. Um, I've come with logic and some ideas with an open mind to try and listen. And what you've done is, is shut it down. So do you just go back to the beginning of the crisis ready formula? It's like, okay, well, let's try to validate again. <laughs> you, know, you keep going back to that, to that beginning of the process. So there's that's a good question. Um, there's two things to recognize. One is that when Let's talk kind of about it in the sense of like a controversial situation, right? Controversy. Um, controversy, like I said earlier, it segregates, it polarizes. And you will never, it's, it's a waste of energy. If you, so these are the two kind of far ends of the spectrum, right? And controversy kind of polarizes. So everybody's pulled there. If you are leaning to your answers and your solutions are here, it's not strategic to go after the people that are on the far end of the opposite side of the spectrum. You're not gonna win that way because to your point, it's just too clouded, it's too, um, it's tied in with their values, it's tied in with their politics, it's tied in with so many things that are just a part of who they are. It's as much as, it's not that these people don't matter, it's that your focus is more strategic to go towards the middle and the ones leaning towards there that you can speak to, that are still open a little bit to hear you. Um, that still need the proof because they deserve the proof. They still need all of these things. But so if you're targeting the opposite end of the spectrum, you're never going to win. 
um, maybe in the long term, but that's your strategic focus shouldn't be there is what I'm saying. Um, so then it is, it is about recycling the cycle um, because every time you do, you're going to get better. Every time you do, you're going to open up the space for more dialogue. If you are validating emotions, if you are relating to those emotions, and if you are proving that you mean what you say through your actions and your words, more and the more you do this, and again, let's remember that trust is broken. It's lost. It's right now. It's gone almost on some, to some extent. So that takes time. There's no quick fix here. This was a, you know, centuries in the making. We're not going to fix it in a month or in a year. So yes, don't give up on the process and keep understanding. We keep going back to the why and understanding the emotions and the reasons behind the emotions of what you're dealing with. Um, in order to keep coming back and opening up that dialogue an inch and inch and inch and inch at, at the time. And the more that you do that, the more you're proving that you're validating in you and that you care, right? And the more you're going to learn in order to continue to do better, to continue to progress. Okay. Okay. No, I, I, I see where you're going there. And I, I agree with you in that you, you got to keep going through that circle is, is, challenging as it could be um to continually go into the validation process I, I keep thinking of one of my favorite late authors um Stephen Covey he talked about um I think it was a talking stick exercise where um you may have read it as well where somebody holds the stick literally holds a stick and that is the only individual that could talk at, the, at that time is the person holding the stick and, and then that person has to feel validated you have to the other people have to repeat back and show and prove that they understand exactly where he or she is coming from and when he feels or she feels completely understood then then he or she passes along the stick to somebody else and then that individual has to shut up so maybe we need just maybe we just need more sticks melissa well, you know what, so um, it's, what's challenging right now is that citizens, right, communities have the stick, and they're not giving up that stick, and that's been the challenging part, even for law enforcement agencies that have really, really strong bonds mm -hmm. of trust with their communities. They're also feeling all of this. They're also living, not just feeling, but they're living all of this because of that point where enough is enough that we've reached. We've reached that point of enough is enough. And, and quite frankly, you know, it, it's just, it's so deep and it's so wrong that society wants to stop seeing the consequences happen, which is death, right? Um, and injustices and inequity. And again, it's more than just law enforcement. It is systemic, but we're focused on law enforcement right now. So, um, so yeah, so society has kind of, communities have had the stick. And at this point in time, and what I've, what I've been waiting for, because I, I feel for it all. I, I understand every single aspect and dynamic of every part of the circumstance. Um, and it's been challenging on so many different levels for each of us, as well as to watch my amazing, amazing leaders in law enforcement, incredible friends, incredible leaders that I'm so honored to know and watch them go through the brunt of all of this after the years and decades that they've spent creating, fostering strong ties and relationships with their communities, they're even feeling it. 
I'm going through it. And what I've been waiting for personally is I've known that society has the stick right now. They need to have the stick because they don't, it, to that point of enough is enough and they need to feel validated. They need to just scream and do what they need to do. Um, and I've been waiting for that, that opportunity, that time when I knew it would be kind of cyclical, time will, to, will take its course and eventually lead to an opportunity for maybe a little bit more of an inch of dialogue versus just receiving the brunt of it, right? And now what we're seeing, I don't, tell me if none of that made sense too. I'm trying to communicate something that's like very conceptual in my mind. Um, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I, I think that, and I've, I've run into this in a few different circles, um, whether it's been, you know, even in my own community of Long Beach, California, uh, which has had its own issues, uh, and I've been in a forum or two there with the community, uh, as well as forums with police foundations and uh, some of the credit unions that serve um, first responders and specifically law enforcement. And yeah, we're, we're looking for that inch. And I think that, you know, on the community end, it's hard to get that inch because you get, as I mentioned, you get people that are willing to come to the table, uh, but not willing to have any police officers including the chief or anybody else in that forum. And my argument is always, if you truly want unity and you want to build something from scratch, and I'm all for that. I, I say all the time, I'm pro-police, I am uh, pro-change, and I'm pro-peace. Uh, I'm all three of those things, and they're not mutually exclusive. You can be all no, three. And, and so I say, if, yeah, and I'm all for, as an entrepreneur, Let's tear it down and build it back up from scratch with all with, with the help of all, like you mentioned, with the help of all of these great leaders. You know, we can't have unity. We can't have a system, a new system that's going to work for everybody, black, white, Jews, Muslims, all of that. We're not going to have that type of system if we leave out a group. And that group is police officers. We need to bring those people to the table in order to build that unity and create something together. And then on the other end, from more of a PR standpoint, is I have a lot of law enforcement organizations that I work with that will, will say, well, yeah, I'm going to wait for that inch, to use your analogy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for that one minute yeah, so that, that I could speak. And my thought, my thought is, is that's very, very dangerous uh, because I've been in a situation, a bad PR situation in the late 90s. I'm a little older than you <laughs> in the late 90s uh, where we, we had, I was working for a financial institution that supposedly wronged another financial institution and that other organization from a PR standpoint just attacked us. You know, attacked us in print, attacked us in forums, attacked us completely. And our choice was to, well, let's just sit and be quiet. And this eventually will blow over. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where we had to hire a PR professional. And the first thing is he said is, when you stay quiet and somebody else is talking from the mountain, just blah, 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 blah with a megaphone, eventually even the people in the middle that you referred to are going to begin thinking, well, mm -hmm. because they're so quiet over there, 
these people with the megaphone must be right because they're just cowering and yeah. trying to wait for that to end. So these people with the megaphone must be speaking 100% right at how bad this organization is. So, you know, I'll finally shut up and I want to hear your take on this. It's been my encouragement to, to not be quiet, but to come out positively to talk about, you know what, we, we agree there needs to be change. We may not know exactly what that is, uh, but we support, we support our law enforcement and we support the need for change to, to have something better. I think that that is the proper message right now. Your thoughts, Melissa? Um, so I want to be very clear that in saying what I said, I in no way was insinuating or saying that law enforcement needs to be quiet. You, if you don't, you need to be a part of the discussion. Right. What I was saying was people need to vent. People, and they're, they're, uh, there is that emotional thing, right? So their ears and their, their minds are closed to it. It's their, their emotions that are speaking. Um, there is a lot to do in that time frame before that inch of, and when that inch comes to what I was going to continue with was, it's not about taking that inch to now scream or now to talk. Sure. It's about taking that inch to find a space to create a space for dialogue. It's not about screaming back. It's right. about dialogue, right? Waiting for the opportunity for the time when people are ready for the dialogue. But when you're waiting, you're not being reactive. You're not being stagnant. You're not, like I said, it's action and communication. So you need to do both simultaneously. And there are strategic ways to listen, to be a part of the dialogue, to understand that people need to vent right now or that society communities need to vent right now and they need to be heard. But that goes back to that validation. And so how can you, and there's a difference between being re reactive and being strategically reactive, right? So strategically proactive means that you are, to me, it means that you're being proactive strategically when it's time and you're being strategically reactive when it's time. So that means that you're not just sitting in a corner and waiting or cowarding. It means that you're saying, okay, right now, proactively, we are listening. We are hearing. We're not just listening, but we are actively hearing, which means that we're going back to down to the why. So if, if society, if our community is screaming this, what is it that they're screaming? What is it that they're saying? What's the why? And how can we address that? Maybe it's not with a megaphone, but maybe it's by having, and probably by having a space on our website where everything we are actively listening to every single concern, we are understanding the reason, the emotional reason and um, the, you know, what has the actions that have led to the reason of those concerns. And we are proactively addressing them, maybe without a microphone, but on our website where it's visible and we're using social media to continue to um, strategically respond and, 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 um, highlight those those responses does that make sense yeah it, it yeah it does it does make sense and we're we're definitely on the same page here is you know finding yeah being on the megaphone on the law enforcement side is not going to help right now uh but i think that um some of the things that i saw when the george floyd uh murder had just happened unfortunately um is police marching with with uh some of the protesters i thought that was awesome yeah that was an awesome yeah. picture um you know we need to see a little bit more of that and we need to to get 
police involved in in the right ways in in the discussion uh because i do believe truly that there is a solution to this uh but it isn't going to happen tomorrow as you said um in, in your work with law enforcement um do you have some examples of law enforcement connecting with communities whether it be this year or even before this this incident where it, we could use that as kind of an example of a positive way to begin healing um, both sides, or better yet, not both sides, you know, but healing our nation? Healing our nation. Creating bridges. Right now, this nation is so divided, and that is just fuel. Um, until we can all come together, uh, um, that's part of the biggest frustration, I think. I mean, I always go back to Mountain View Police Department. I think they do phenomenal work, um, even through the challenges of the last several months. Um, they're active listening. They're, you know, showing, and, you know, in active listening, you're still communicating compassion. You're still showing, demonstrating compassion. You're still showing, even if maybe you're being hounded, for lack of what a better way to say that, especially when you feel like you're being hounded, you're still doing what's right, right? Even if you can't be right, if you're not at the moment being recognized for it, you're still doing what's right. Um, and I think they're a brilliant example of that. I also came across, um, Kate Kimball has a, she wrote a great piece that I really liked. She's the PIO for Fort Collins Police Services in Fort Collins, Colorado. And um, in preparation for our discussion, I just, I had come across um, an article that she wrote and then the, um, what, uh, Fort Collins Police Services in Colorado have been doing kind of proactively to listen, to address the concerns, not to scream them back out, but right. to have them there, um, and then to communicate compassionately whenever there was an opportunity to do so. And I'm going to quote her. She says, now more than ever, our local actions need to speak louder than national headlines. And that's so important, so important to even just thinking about that, because the national headlines are drowning right? They drown out everything. They're so divisive. Um, and they don't, they don't serve the, the greater good and the greater mission at, at hand. But what we have, if we focus on our community, what is our connection, if every single one of the 18,000 law enforcement agencies across this country focus solely on the connection with their community and making that real through actions and and communication and listening is a part of that, right? Active listening is part of communication um, and leads to the right actions. Then nationally, what would that create? So I think that that's easier said than done because the national divisiveness and, and um, media headlines and sensationalization and selective showcasing of whatever story best suits your um, agenda or their agenda is very, very drowning and very overpowering and very overwhelming. But if we can just take it back and focus on our community and what's, what's in your power, it's who you serve and what you do within your agency and how you work with your community, with your city officials in collaboration. It's three you know, yeah. parties here with a lot of parties within. Um, but taking that approach, I just, I had read that line by her and I thought it was so, so well said um, and so important. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, that, that is 
probably the number one tip that we could take out of this discussion. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with it 100%. And I, I even see it here in, in my own community. I didn't grow up here in Long Beach, California, but I grew up in Chicago. And in Chicago, we never have any police issues or, or political problems or anything like that. No, um, no, no, that's it all runs smooth going back to the days of Capone. Um, but uh, <laughs> but here in Long Beach, you know, one of the forums that I was in, you know, they talked about the um, the diversity of our city. And we have a very, very diverse city. I would challenge you, um, even not even all of Los Angeles County, just to look at Long Beach at a half a million uh, population. Yeah, I would challenge you to find a race, a creed, a uh, uh, any type of um, background that isn't represented here in, in the city of Long Beach. And in this forum, they talked about the police force. And we have, we have a fairly large percentage of African-American communities here in Long Beach, but the percentage of African-American law enforcement professionals in the Long Beach PD is very, very small. And right in that forum, I said, well, that's a problem. Yeah, that, that's a, because that's not representing the community. Yeah, if if I you know if I grew up in this community and I know hey you know Aunt Aunt Jan over there has been you know giving um, caramel apples every Halloween and she knows what's going on in this neighborhood yeah I can go to Aunt Jan and say hey let's let's have a block party or something <laughs> you know that may seem very simplistic but. Some of those simplistic things that I've heard from many police officers, especially retired police officers that were in the communities that 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 weren't didn't just walk the beat they were in the communities they lived in the communities they grew up in the communities that they were serving, and they knew everybody there where problems could be taken care of like that. You know, I often say, you know, going back to the George Floyd example, and there's so many layers to that, and all of, all of them, or most of them, if not all, are wrong in that Minneapolis situation. Yeah, if, if an officer had just done something differently, possibly, it's a George, dude, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, or if it was even, all right, you wrote a bad check, go home, you know, it's, and, we'll, and we'll worry about this tomorrow. It's not a, it's not a major crime. Uh, you know, if somebody had done something differently, you know, had done something more on a human level rather than said, all right, you know, you're a criminal, let's, let's treat you like one from the very beginning, uh, maybe that would have been something different. Uh, but, but to my point, because I kind of got on a ramble here, it, I truly do believe that it starts at the communities, having those connections. And I've seen a little bit of that on the news in certain places in America where, where people truly do understand the issues that we have with race, the change that needs to happen, but also say, you know what, but, but our law enforcement get it. You know, they're, they're, they're part of the change in our community and not part of the problem. And I think that that's, that's where the solution at least begins. So I think you're spot on on that. Well, those were Kate's words. Um, but but quoted. but you but but you read Kate's words and you agreed with them and you <laughs> you expounded on them because you're an expert and so they're also your ideas so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, and you know what I love about it is that it comes from I 
I try to take things from within the law enforcement community yeah. um, that are doing, that are good examples to be shown. And one of the things that I love about the law enforcement community that I always have is how collaborative they are. I mean, every exceptional leader that I know, which is quite a few within this community and within this profession, the second that somebody raises their hand and says, hey, how did you guys do that? Or what was your strategy or take there? Or do you have a process that you've kind of formalized and could we take a look at it? They will raise their hands back up and say, and open the, their arms and open the door and just say, how can, we, how can we teach this to you? How can we share this with you? How can we empower you? And so that's why I really love to go back to within the profession, within the community and highlight the great work that they're doing because um, in, as an inspiration to the other law enforcement professionals out there who may feel lost or just overwhelmed, which is completely understandable right now. It's overwhelming. Um, I think everybody in this country is overwhelmed and tired. Um, so yeah, so I kind of maybe just to say that, that in general, what I've loved, what I've seen firsthand is how willing the profession is to serve the community by serving each other. Yeah. 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 Great, great statement. It is, I continue to say, and I think that this is the case with, um, with every uh, good police officer and most of them are, um, is that any type of change that's going to keep the community safe, but also allow police officers to, to finish their shift and safely go home to their families more often is, is always a positive thing. Um, Melissa, I, I literally can talk to you for another hour, uh, but we both have other stuff to do. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, we've Just both been a little, going on. <laughs> we've both been a little busy these days, but, uh, uh, I couldn't wait to get you, uh, on this show and have another great conversation. Uh, really appreciate your insight. Uh, and as we close up, for those folks in our audience that could really use your expertise, where can they find you out there? Absolutely. So the Crisis Ready Institute, so crisisreadyinstitute.com or just even crisisready.com. Um, we are uh, a public benefit corporation that is here to serve and to help organizations, including law enforcement agencies, really embed and hone that crisis ready culture. Um, which means a whole bunch of things that you can find on the website, but we actually have programs right now tailored specifically to law enforcement and all of their collaborative parties that they need within their communities to support the necessary change in order to start bridging these divides and to, get, to give them the strategic support, the guidance, and again, that support, right? So you don't feel so overwhelmed and so all alone. There's experts who are dedicated to serving, serving law enforcement in order to serve the greater good. Um, and we have specific programs. So if anybody's interested in learning more about that, crisisreadyinstitute.com, you'll find me there. You can connect with me on social, wherever, whenever I'm responsive to all. And I'd love to continue the conversation. And thank you, Ken, for, for opening up this dialogue and for inviting me to be a part of this space. 
my pleasure. I, I hope we get a chance to have this. I know we'll have this chance to have another dialogue at some point, but I hope we get a chance to have another dialogue soon, hopefully when we've got some, some things going and rolling in the right direction, and we can we can talk about that as well. But uh, great insight, uh, great expertise. Um, I can attest to Melissa is very responsive on social media because I always communicate with her on LinkedIn, and she's very responsive responsive. Uh, but thank you again, Melissa. And thank you to all of you that have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be with you again in about a week with another awesome guest. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.